like to invite you to turn with me to Psalm 43. Um, it's on page 439 in the Pew Bible. Uh, we will be continuing on in our series through the first 50 um, chapters of Psalms this year. Uh, and uh, so we're in the, the 43rd Sunday uh, this month. Now, uh, as we will be going into this passage, some of it will sound a little familiar as it is believed by many scholars that this 42 and 43 should have been uh, one. It's, um, and so this is really like the third stanza of the song that we uh, went through last week. Uh, and so some of it is familiar. And so I will draw a little bit um, and just reflection from Psalm 42 as we get ready to read Psalm 43. Um, but two things came to my mind as I was considering some of the illustrations in Psalm 42, uh, as it opens with, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Um, <clears throat> and when we consider this imagery of a, of a deer panting for water, um, the, the reality is how often do we, we, well, see deer. I see deer all the time. I live in Akron. You wouldn't think that in the city limits that you would see so many deer, but they're all over the place. And they're not normally panting. The deer tend to stay close to the water and they, they know their way around. And so this is a picture of a dry and thirsty land where the deer has been running and is panting and thirsty. And I was thinking of um, <clears throat> a few years ago, uh, we took a trip to Slovakia and we went on a, what they called a short hike one day. And so most of us just grabbed a bottle of water, uh, you know, 20 ounce bottle of water and we went off on the hike not realizing it was going to be an 8 hour hike up in the mountains and we were traversing through the terrain and going um, off of the trail because our, our guide lost, got us lost in the middle of the, the mountains and, um, and, uh, and just said no we're not lost we're not lost but we're climbing through briars and, and stuff that there is no trail but we're not lost is what he said and we're climbing up and soon enough, most of us are running out of water. Only one or two people have packed two bottles of water and, um, and then just continue climbing, exerting our, our energies to go up. Now, thankfully in Slovakia, that mountain range, there is actually a road that runs across the top of the mountains. And so if you do go straight up, you will eventually hit that road and then you can find your way. So our guide wasn't completely lying when he said we're not lost, but um, we were definitely where we shouldn't be. But in, uh, in climbing the mountain, um, just getting so thirsty because we ran out of water and we don't even know how much longer we go. And then we found this mountain spring. We're, um, and, you know, drinking water from a spring in nature, anywhere, you never know if it's going to be good water or bad water or how that will affect you. But we were so thirsty at that moment. We didn't care. We just wanted water. So we're filling up our bottles with this water straight from a stream in the mountains. And thankfully... It was uh, a pure water, but we didn't know. But we were so thirsty, we were desperate um, in that moment. And I think this, this is the image that carries into our passage today, that there's a, a spiritual dryness and a thirst uh, that leads to a desperation of wanting something to alleviate that thirst, to alleviate that, that, that pain. And then uh, the next image that came to my mind, um, actually on both of these, Michael Seppi was with me on the, and David was, we were in the mountains there together, but this next one also reminds me of a time when I was with Michael. Um, when it talks about the, in verse 7, deep calls to deep at the war, roar of your waterfall, 
at uh, your breaks, breakers and waves have gone over me. And uh, this one kind of helps me envision the, and when we get into Psalm 43, the, um, we went on a, on a, a trip to do uh, whitewater rafting down at the New River uh, in West Virginia. And uh, we, when we went, it was my first time whitewater rafting, and, and so therefore I paid attention to the guide and all the instructions. And, uh, you know, I went a step above and beyond. I got that the full wetsuit to protect me from the elements, and, um, which is a little excessive. But, um, but, you know, I'm ready to go. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm just going to do my best. I hear the instructions. I'm following the instructions. We get in the water, um, and then uh, we hit the first rapids, and, and I'm losing control. I'm going to fall out of the boat. So what do I do? I tuck just like he said, you tuck the, the handle of the, the oar under you and then hold it fast and lean into the water. And as I'm going, I'm like, well, I'm going out of the boat. So I see Michael and I said, well, he's going to come with me. So I leaned right into him and then the, both of us ended into the water. And um, in, in reality, part of it was like, I know I'm going to fall in at some point. So why not fall in at the first rapids, get over my fear of falling out, and then the rest of the time I'll, I'll uh, experience just a little bit more joy um, in that. Uh, not realizing how the first rapids um, and getting back into the boat takes a lot of energy, so now I'm tired. Getting back in, we we're fine. Later on, we were coming on a class five rapids, and our, our instructor said, you don't want to fall out here. Um, and, uh, and I'm like, okay, don't, don't fall out. But he says, but if you do fall out, don't fight it, curl up in a ball like a fetus and just wait, right? And, uh, and you know, but I'm like, I'm not going to fall out. I'm listening, I'm obeying, I'm doing everything that's right. And then we're going through this rapids, and all of a sudden, um, we're getting all tipsy-turvy, and I fall out again, and this is churning uh, water everywhere. And as, you, as I'm trying to f fight it, I'm trying to swim out of there, it just keeps propelling you under and under and under. The more you fight it, the more it keeps you under, and so I, I did, I listened, and I just curled up, and I waited, and I, I just, my body was just rolling around, and all of a sudden, I just popped up out of the water, just when I stopped fighting, and I listened to my instructor's voice, and I held fast, and I just waited. I got through the, the trial. I got through the, uh, the, the, the water, but in that tumultuous time, everything was out of control, uh, and, and it was literally a, a matter of life and death. Um, and, uh, and yet it was in waiting and, and holding fast and just depending on the word of instruction that I received and, and it got me through and so coming through Psalm 42 and thinking of those thoughts we come into Psalm 43 and we'll read it in its entirety um, <clears throat> again it starts vindicate me O God and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man deliver me for you are the God in whom I take refuge why have you rejected me why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy send out your light and your truth let them lead me let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling then I will go to the altar of God to God my exceeding joy and I will praise you with a lyre O God my God, why are you cast down, O oh my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation, and my God. 
as we read these words, I, I couldn't help but consider what's happening in Israel right now. Um, the Israel trip that we were planning has been canceled. Um, and the, so for the better part of two years, there's been a part of me that's been focused on preparing, going to Israel, preparing a trip, thinking through this, but also um, just regularly checking on what's happening in Israel. Um, and back when we first started, we used to get some questions about, is it safe to go? Is it safe to go? And the majority of the time it is. <laughs> and so, yeah, no, don't worry about it. Things look worse on the news here than they actually are over there. And, um, and that, everything, that was true all the way up until October 7th. Um, and when that happened, it changed everything in regards to our trip. We knew that was on hold, but I was like, the trip is, is a small matter compared to what is happening to the Israeli people. And when you have an oppressor and a, an evil regime that is willing to do despicable things just because the ethnicity of a person, you know, it, it, it brings out this, this question, like, where are you, God? Like, and you can hear, this is a, you know, the, the Psalms, the, the, the Old Testament, is a, it's a Hebrew book. It's a, it's a book of, of the Jewish faith that we have come through and Christ is the fulfillment of, but yet here is a, a Jewish person crying out far away from his land, thirsting for God. Everything's in turmoil and questioning, where are you, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? Uh, and vindicate me, and we're seeing that on our news today, the same as the author would have penned this back then. And uh, and so, as I, I began reading this, and having now personal contacts in Israel, and trying to keep up with them and their safety, um, and being able to talk, we only had an opportunity once to Zoom with our, our tour guide, but then meeting him, and, um, and talking with him, and thankful to find out he and his immediate family are safe, but then he's like, but four of his friends have been lost already in this battle. Um, but in that, in his lamenting and in his um, recognition of the tragedy, there was a, there's a confidence, but we will get through. And there's this idea of like that as an Israeli, God, God is in control, and, uh, and the Israeli people will overcome. And it was this quiet resolve and confidence that I got from him that um, our ILS contact with Sefi, who's in Jerusalem, and there's uh, this, this quiet confidence that has been birthed through turmoil and tragedy their entire life. That he, Sefi said, my, my father had gone through this, uh, that he went through it, his children have gone through it, now his grandchildren are in the front lines. Um, this is their life, and a life of, of turmoil, uh, but in that, there was a resolve and a, and a confidence. And I think that's something we can learn from, um, that in life it's going to be difficult, and we need to have an understanding of hope and faith all the more because we know Jesus Christ, who is the victor. And so we begin this psalm with uh, just the, the, this, this command that basically we need to pray when, when you face injustice in your own life, but also when you see injustice in the world— he cries out, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me. So in this is a, a, a cry for God to act. So we have the, the reminder from last week to, that our soul should thirst for God and that we should place our hope in God. But now we're getting a request, God, you need to move. God, you need to do something. You need to vindicate me. To, some translations say judge me. 
It's, it's coming from the voice of one who says, I know I am living right with God. I'm not in this situation because I'm actively sinning or doing something wrong. I'm trying to live a just life, and I'm being oppressed from the outside. Something outside of my control is it's affecting me, and it is, it is beyond what I can do. And so, God, I need you to move. And so, in this prayer for injustice, we have to recognize our predicament. What is going on? He calls out for, for vindication, uh, for him to be judged, and, and the need for a mediator. And uh, as we go through this trials, that we, we have to see that God is a very present God. And we have to recognize that he is the one who has the answers for us. Um, and in our predicament, we can get so focused on our circumstance that we lose sight of our Savior and, and his sovereign hand in things. Um, and we want, we want to be through things. And most of our prayers, and I know for me, whenever things go wrong in my life, it's immediately, God, get me out of this. God, fix this. God, restore things uh, to a calm give me peace, God, give me an escape right away. Um, and trying to learn throughout the years that I need to be praying for, for patience through it, for strength to, to endure whatever he has in my life, that I, I can uh, patiently wait on his leading to see what he's doing in me and through me in, in the face of my, my trial, uh, rather than just an immediate escape. But sometimes we, we have to go through things, and in that place, um, as I heard this word vindicate me, this, this call for God, you need, to, you need to work on my behalf. And we need a mediator. And 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 says this, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. That we have a mediator. We have a God who stands in our defense. He is our, our, uh, our defense attorney. He's our, our vindicator. He is the one who stands between me uh, and God, and he, he has um, done a work on my behalf. All of us come into this life as sinners separated from God. Romans 3 reminds us that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Isaiah 53, that all we like our sheep have gone astray, um, and we've led each one to his own way. Um, that we are separated from God. There's nothing we can do to right that relationship on our own, but God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be our go-between, to be our representative, to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, um, and to fight our fight for us. For those who believe, we have um, a mediator between God and man, and so we have this predicament that's outside of our control, but we have a God who is willing to enter into our space uh, to live a perfect, sinless life, to experience rejection, suffering, death, and to overcome that in order uh, to provide salvation for us. And so whatever experience we're going through in life, whatever terrible things are happening in this world, we have this, this truth that Jesus Christ is a mediator. He has overcome, and he will overcome. But then we have this, this so this prayer of, vindicate me, defend my cause as a righteous person who is being oppressed by ungodly people. Then, then he continues on, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? 
here we, we see his perception, and, the, and for all believers, we come into this, this place of struggle uh, that we believe in God. I've, I've placed my faith in God, but now I'm doubting that. My circumstances has caused me to say, is God really there? Is God present? Is he with me in this? And, uh, and, and we have to recognize um, that when we doubt, it's okay. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay, and you need to have a, a safe place to talk about doubts, um, to be able to come to a community of faith and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this right now. Um, to even cry out to God, like, hey, I've placed my trust in you, but where are you? You're, you're my refuge. Your, your word says if I put my refuge in you, you will be my shield. How come I don't feel like there's a shield up right now? And he's questioning that, and it's okay uh, as we process that. Um, and I think that oftentimes in Christian circles, we don't do a good job with doubt. We kind of say, you'll get through this in time, or it's, you know, it'll pass, um, or we'll just give a, a, a verse here. Just read this verse, and it'll be good. Um, and oftentimes it's because we're uncomfortable walking through those doubts ourselves. But the thing about doubt, doubt implies belief that is being questioned. You have to believe something in order to doubt it first, and then it is walking through doubt in a proper way that we will then have more confidence in what we believe than before. But if we don't weather the storm of doubt and we just push it off, before we know it, our doubts will become larger than our beliefs, and oftentimes we see people walking away from the, what they believe because they aren't getting real answers and they aren't having a healthy community to walk through that. And so I try to tell the youth group uh, fairly frequently uh, that it's okay to doubt and come talk to me about anything. There's no question that's out of bounds, um, that we have to be able to walk through um, what, what's going on, how we perceive things, because when we go th through this, we will struggle. And so um, even, even though we may struggle and doubt, like here we see it in the psalm that he, he has faith that God's his refuge, but now like he's doubting it. It's just like in Mark 9 uh, when the uh, man said, I believe, help my unbelief. You see, as a believer, like, I have belief, but I, I have struggles in my belief. How do I get through this? How do I understand this? And recognizing life is full of turmoil that's going to at times be really good and at times be really hard and I'm struggling and trying to process all of this and it's beyond my control and so as I try fighting it too much then I find that I'm swimming against the, the rapids and I'm getting cast down and cast down and cast down and when I need to ball up and wait and trust God will get me through this turmoil. And then in our prayer, we have to remember our resource that is prayer is as a, as a weapon we have against the injustice of this world, against the, our present circumstances. And, and what we need is a, a persistent prayer. If we're crying out for justice and we want prayer, then we should look to Jesus for those answers. But Jesus gave us a parable in Luke chapter 18. If you'd like to turn there, we're going to read 1 through 8. It's on page 824 in the Pew Bible. And Jesus is talking about the importance of not just praying. I fall in this category oftentimes. Like, I, I just want to uh, pray for a prayer. God knows the prayer. I prayed it. It's done. Uh, but we need to keep coming back to God in prayer, in a persistent prayer. 
Um, and, and as we pray for something, prayer uh, is our way to communicate to God, but it's also God's way of changing our hearts through the act of the Spirit. But here, Jesus gives us a parable about how we should come in prayer. And, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For, while he refused, for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because the widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the righteous, unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cried to him day and night, Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And here we get this, this, this call to persistent prayer, to continue to pray, uh, and, and trust that God is a God who hears the prayers of his elect and who will, who will answer those, who will give them justice um, in their and then the reality is this that as we see injustice and we're asking for vindication we have a mediator although we believe we struggle with doubts and we we come to god in persistent prayer that the reality is that we are actually more than conquerors in romans 8 which is uh, on page 888 and the pew provided we are reminded that in our at asking God to move, to vindicate us, um, to be our refuge, that we have a mediator, and then Paul puts it this way in Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That the reality that we live in as believers in Jesus Christ is that we are more than conquerors, no matter what circumstances we are in no matter what struggles, and Paul lists a whole bunch of different tribulations in life. Um, and, uh, and we could name our own in that list, that in these things that we are struggling with, that we are more than conquerors, and nothing can separate us from the love of God. The man writing this was once a man who, well, one, he was a Jewish person who was living in oppression uh, by the Roman Empire. And then he was a, a convert to Christianity, uh, so one, he went to persecute the church, and then he converted to Christianity. 
and, uh, and then felt the, that, that same persecution, and he was imprisoned um, and uh, beaten, and he's gone through so many things, and then saying, none of that can separate us from the love of God. And, uh, and you know, in every time of affliction, when we're in it, it feels like it's going to last forever. Um, and, uh, and, but then when we get through it, we can see God's goodness and what he was doing oftentimes. And the thing is, when we believe in, in Christ and we believe in his uh, work for us, that he gives meaning in our suffering and in our trial, and he gives us hope to get through. Because in this, this struggle and this, the injustice of this world, we have an enemy of our souls uh, who, who wants to rob us of, of joy, rob us of faith. He wants to destroy us. And so... Jesus said it this way in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life comes through Jesus Christ. And so moving into the second part of our, our passage today in Psalm 43, we need to pursue the presence of God. So he's moving from a request, God, you need to move on my behalf. God, you need to vindicate me. Uh, God, you need to answer these questions for me. And then he, he moves into asking God to restore his presence. He says, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and your dwelling. In this uh, pursuit of the, 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 the presence of God, he is asking God to send light and truth. And he uses um, a, a personification that two angels or two messengers from God, light and truth, let them come and lead me by the hand to your dwelling. Um, let them comfort me and guide me. And so as he's requesting these things, and we can see even here, God, from hundreds of years before Christ came, he's calling for light and truth to be the guide and to be the one to lead us to God. In John 8, 12... Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That Jesus is the light. He says, send me light. And God sent his son into this world to be the light. If uh, you have your Bibles out and want to turn to John chapter 1, the light and truth that God has sent It's, it's presented here by the Apostle John. And we're going to read 1 through 5 and then jump down to verse 9 through 14. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory of the... as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And here in this passage, as John describes the coming of Jesus Christ into our world, he describes Jesus as the light that has come into the world to overcome darkness, and, the one, and 
He's full of grace and truth, that he is the light, he is the truth. Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and you see, Jesus' life, his teaching, uh, was very clear, that it's very exceptional, that only through Christ, only through Jesus, can we have a right relationship with God, can the presence of God be fully restored. You know, in the in Psalm 43, as um, they will calling out, remembering a time when they were in the temple and worshiping God with the people of God, being in a far country, longing for that day to return to a place on earth. Because in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, um, that there were select places and ways to come into the presence of God through the tabernacle, later through the temple. And there was images of uh, what it meant to be in the presence of God, where in the Old Testament, the fire um, or cloud descended upon uh, the congregation. They knew the presence of God was there. And, uh, and the presence of God is, is real, but in the, in the first covenant, it was through a specific place in a specific way, bringing on a blood sacrifice to cover your sins and to be made right with God. And so being in a far country away from the temple, not being able to experience that, you could hear the, the dry and thirsty nature of his requested desperation to get back to that place. And, and even thinking um, of last uh, year when I was standing at the temple uh, mount and uh, near the western wall and, and, and knowing that the prayers of the people around me were a, a prayer of lament that the temple is not there that they're as close to the presence of God and their way of thinking as they could be. Um, and um, and the, uh, the tunnels under along the western wall, we were able to stop at a place where it was like the place on the western wall where they believe was the closest to the Holy of Holies would have been. And it considers now the most holy site for, for Jewish people. And as I laid my hand on that wall and I thought about how the presence of God had had left the temple worship and due to disobedience and had been gone and and that's something they're longing for but as a believer in christ and all believers who have the indwelling work of the holy spirit in their life that the presence of god in us is anywhere it's not just in this place it's in here jesus said to the samaritan woman that there's a time coming when people will worship in spirit and in truth wherever they are and so unlike the psalmist who's crying out, I need to get back to a place for the believer when we're in a dry and thirsty land, when we're struggling, wanting vindication, when we are doubting and, and, and wrestling through things, the presence of God is near us. It is simply turning to God in prayer and trusting God, asking for his truth, his light, to reveal to us the lies that we may be believing um, and how can we experience that that freshness and so um it's been said by some that uh, there's uh, three types of people that you're either in a trial right now having come through a trial or will be getting in a trial that we're all in a one of those phases and uh when we're not in a trial when we're not struggling and we're enjoying the presence of god and and maybe um if, if that's you like you need to remember and embrace the joy that you can experience in, in, a, in that place and, and hold fast to that because when you're 
uh, in the trial, you need to be able to look back and remember the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God and how he got you through previous trials or how you've had times where you're in a right relationship with him and the joy was there uh, because this is what he is calling back to, remembering how do I get through this I remember and I long for to be back in the presence of God. And, uh, and so requesting the nearness of God and um, remembering and anticipating the joy, he says, then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I'll praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. This, this concept of remembering God's faithfulness and goodness, how he's pursued us, he's saved us, he's freed us, and that he promises to continue to do that one day will ultimately return and make all things right. But this exceeding joy, uh, Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That when we're going through things, that what is our joy? Oftentimes we find joy in all kinds of things that are, are not true joy and they're fleeting, they're temporary and they don't last. And when those things are fail and we turn back to God and we see that he is our joy that we see that our joy is exceeding and it is full and it's found in a relationship with God the psalmist ends this oh God my God first time in the in this chapter where he says my God uh, that you are mine that I'm in a relationship with you John 17 3 says this is eternal life that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent it is in a personal relationship with God that we will have eternal life life to the full and um, youth group we say it this way life with Jesus begins now and lasts forever that it is the change in our life that Jesus intends is to save us from our old way of life into newness and walk with walking with him but it begins now. It should change everything in our life and our perspectives. And so we, we want that relationship with Christ. Jesus came to invite us into a relationship with him, uh, into uh, knowing him and to know the Father and to be forgiven and justified, adopted into his family. And lastly, in uh, Psalm 43, we need to um, see how it, it changes here. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He shifts from crying out to God, talking to God, and here he, he begins to talk to himself. So put this, uh, we need to preach truth to yourself. Preach truth to yourself. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his reflection on the, these psalms, said, um, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but there they are, talking to you. They bring back the problem of yesterday. Somebody's talking. Who's talking? Yourself is talking to you. Now this man's treatment in Psalm 42 and was inst this, instead of allowing this self-talk to, to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? He asks. His soul has been, de been depressing him, crushing him, so he stands up and says, Self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. Here he begins to, to unpack the, the fact that 
our thoughts and our thinking of ourselves can get so messed up based on our perception of our reality or our present circumstances um, that we get it wrong. And we just start to allow those thoughts, which also is how oftentimes when we, when we have these doubts, they become bigger and larger, oftentimes because they stay in our head and our heart and we just kind of rehearse them and, and ruminate on them for some time. And, uh, and, and here we see a, a turning, like, I got to take the truth, I got to take the light, and I need to tell myself, rather than believing what is in the dark, I need to speak what is in the light, and I need to speak it to myself. And uh, years ago, I heard an amazing sermon of, that was on preaching the gospel to yourself every day. It came out of Jude uh, 20 and 21, and Jude says this, but you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Keeping yourself in the most holy faith, preaching the gospel to yourself daily, constantly remembering the truth of who God is, who you are, the po proper posture before God that I'm not deserving of salvation or, or goodness because of, because of my sin, but God has redeemed me through his son Jesus Christ, that we remind ourselves that God demonstrated his love in this, that while we were still sinning against him, Christ died for us. That we are adopted into his family and called the children of God. Those who believe in him are, have been given the right to be called the children of God. That in Christ, he is my Abba Father, my Daddy. I have to come to the truths of scriptures and preach them to myself, and especially when my thoughts are contradicting what God's word has said. And it is through preaching to ourselves this truth over and over again that we will find that joy, that hope, that, that security in God. Because Jesus is the truth and he's the life. He is the mediator who vindicates his church and he is our hope in this life and the next. Revelation 22, 3 and 5 says, One day, no longer will there be any accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his, his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. It is this hope that the struggles of this life are temporary. They are fleeting. They will pass. God's calling on your life, it may be to go through suffering and struggle, but he hasn't forgotten you. He is your refuge. He is your strength. He is your redeemer, and he will restore you in this life or the next. And in just a few moments, we're going to sing these words. Come rejoice now, O my soul, for his love is my reward. Fear is gone, and hope is sure. Christ is mine forevermore. Let's pray. Father God, come before you. Humbled through the tragedies of this life, Lord, we are reminded in the news every day of the brokenness of this world, of the devastation of sin. Lord, we do want to pray for the peace in Israel. Lord, any time life is lost and war happens, Lord, there's the devastation to families on all sides, Lord. Um, and we pray, Lord, that, that peace can be restored, that, Lord, an end can come. 
Lord, we pray that in these troubling circumstances that some will come to see you as the Messiah, as the one who redeems and heals. Lord, we pray for our lives here in America, though we're separated by so many miles, Lord, um, what's happening there is affecting our daily life and the way we think and perceive. Many of us are going through our own trials and our own struggles, longing for vindication, for hope. Lord, send your light and your truth. Lord, remind us of your son, Jesus Christ, that embodies uh, the, the light and the truth and brings it to us that we might find forgiveness and healing and, and strength and hope. And then remind us, Lord, that through these things, that this life is temporary and a relationship with you is eternal. So, Lord, I pray today, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, hasn't surrendered their life to you, Lord, Lord, may you uh, speak to them, meet them where they're at, Lord, and may they trust Jesus as their only hope in life and death. In Jesus' name, amen.